From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Welcome back. Open lines now until the bottom of the hour. This is your chance to get it said. We've carved out this little segment just for you every week for the most part. Occasionally we do have to deviate from the format. Like next week, for example, a two-hour special on Roswell. I know we've sort of passed the anniversary, what would have been the 70th anniversary of the uh, supposed Roswell UFO crash or crashes in uh, Corona, New Mexico, back in 1947. Don Schmidt will be here, along with our good friend Victor Vigiani, the executive director of Zeland Communications and Zeland News Network. And we will go for the full two hours, pillar to post, as they say, on Roswell. The following week, as we get into August, Grant Cameron will be with us for, um, well, sometime in the second uh, half of the program. And uh, he's got a new book on UFOs and disclosure. One of Canada's great uh, UFO disclosure advocates, to be sure, Grant Cameron, coming up. All right. Let me open up my screener here on the program. And uh, we have, let's see, I can't see the name, so I'm just going to move that over. There we go. Ken is in Oshawa. Ken, welcome. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Richard. It's Paul. How are you keeping? Oh, oh, Paul. All right. I have Ken up on my screen. Not to worry. I'm well, Paul. Thank you. Very good. Uh, Thank you for taking the call. Uh, I'd like to share uh, a recent UFO sighting that masquerades like a star uh, on July 8, 2017, here in Oshawa, walking the dog in the park. Uh, It was around exactly at... uh, about 11.26, I noticed a, a star in the sky that I know shouldn't have been there, realizing it for about 10, 15 seconds. Then it suddenly started to move slow to the north and faded out and gone. And I've seen these types before. Uh, I sent you a picture of one just before it it went out uh, back on June 29, 2014 at 1.04 a.m., uh, if you notice the image, you can see like an arc of light. Right. Now, first of all, let me say, when you say you saw a star that you knew wouldn't be there, I mean, there are so many stars on a clear night. Uh, it doesn't happen very often uh, and with light pollution and so forth. But occasionally you get one of those nights where you just see an incredible amount of stars. How could you make that determination that there was a star that shouldn't have been there? Because it was very bright, Richard. Okay. Um, you, you can see, of course, many stars, but... Some of them are much brighter than the rest of them. And when you're looking to the west and used to seeing uh, four bright stars, uh, two uh, directly near the horizon to the west and then two closer, and then seeing a third one in the middle, you know it's not supposed to be there. uh, And and just, you know, it's just uh, boggling your mind like, what is that? Right. Uh, After 10, 15 seconds, it starts to move after you realize it's not supposed to be there and just fades right out. Uh, Some of them I've had uh, directly above my house where they implode. They just shrink and disappear. Hmm. And, um, I mean, if if you you thought initially it was a star, so it was was like like a little pinprick practically. So is it not possible it was uh, a satellite or the space station or? Well, uh I, I would think that if it's a space station or satellite, they move. Uh, and if if it was coming towards me, uh, I can't see it then suddenly going to the north. All right. Well, uh, thank you for the weekly updates. Um, this is uh, you know getting to be a regular occurrence. Paul checking in from Oshawa with uh, the latest UFO sighting. And 
Uh, we always look forward to Paul's calls. Let's go to, uh, let's see. It's uh, Frida in Nobleton, Nobleton, Ontario. Frida, welcome. How are you? Good morning. Okay. Hi there. Hi. You are on, Frida. I can't speak very well. You can't speak. You can't speak very well. Hello, Frida. Are you there? Okay. Let's put. Yeah, we're just saying about how the sister of Cotter. uh, Did you ever hear them speaking? I mean, they were just so belligerent and. Yeah, not very repentant, are they? Truly unbelievable. So we're wondering if the government was afraid of them or. Uh, Well, I don't think the government really is afraid of anybody, but. Uh, yeah, that's disturbing when you hear, um, in many cases, we see this, you know, terrorists and the family members speaking out uh, with, uh, there's no, the not a hint thing, of repentance. Um, or, or What about him being 15 years old? Like, that's a young offender in our law. Well. We're kind of all acting like he was a 25-year-old, you know? I mean, uh, I'm against the deal, don't get me wrong, but. You, you, you believe he should have been treated I, as I a young offender? He should not have got the deal. I think it's right, right. outrageous. Well, to me, again, it comes down to this. He's an enemy combatant. He's captured on the battlefield. It's war. Uh, he's, he's taken to Guantanamo. Um, okay, so there was some sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that in, 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 uh, in my books, <laughs> that is not torture. No, when um, you mentioned about the parents, frequent yeah. flyer program, moving people from cell to cell every three hours, that does not that does not constitute. No, uh, that's enhanced interrogation at the very you know at the at the most enhanced mm-hmm. interrogation. That's not even waterboarding. I'm wow. not even close. Right. So I just um, I'm up a tree in this one. It just it, it to me it boggles the mind how even or why even an enemy combatant would not be handled in a military tribunal and why this is you know a, comes up as a civil. Action uh, to me is just beyond the pale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we agree. All right, Frida, thank you. Okay. Appreciate it. Uh, let's say hello. Hello to uh, is it uh, Ubi? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Ubi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Is it Ubi? Yes, it is. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I just turned on the, uh, the station and and, and uh, when you were discussing Carter. Yes. Uh, the only thing that came to my mind is that. Uh, there might be a possibility that he was denied his rights initially when he was shipped out of the country. He could have been a Canadian citizen, and his father may not have been one. And so he was, he was shipped out with his father because he was uh, only about 14 years old. He didn't know how to decide. So the government shipped him out to keep him with his father. And so probably they're paying him the $10 million for uh, denial, <clears throat> well, because they changed his whole life just by making the decision to ship them out. So now, they're just covering up for their own mistake. Wait, and when you say shipping him out, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, they, denied, they, they denied him his rights as a Canadian citizen. They probably never even asked him whether he wanted to stay in Canada or he wanted to go with his father. Are we talking about prior? We're talking about when he was 14 years old. Okay, but, with the, but the incident happened when he was 15 in Afghanistan. No, and I'm then... not talking about the incident. I'm talking about the fact that he, when he was born in Canada, he lived in Canada. Right. And his father left Canada. We don't, we don't really know the circumstances of why his father well, left Canada. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that's not material to this case. Where he's talking about well, after his, be, the, the civil be. action has to do with his, uh, his treatment in Afghanistan after the incident, and incidentally, his life was saved by those uh, medics. That uh, no, I agree with you. I, I, I agree with all the uh, different points on, on terms of the, the fact that uh, 
that his life was saved, and, and they should have maybe just left it at that and not paid him the $10 million. But the bottom line is that they may have denied him his rights when he was 15, uh, 14 or 15 years. When did, when they shipped him out of Canada? He was a Canadian citizen. He had a right to stay in Canada. They may not have protected his rights as a child. Well, I'm not uh, familiar with that aspect of the case, but I... No, that's not even coming up. That's not being discussed. Well... But as far as I can tell, that's not part of his claim. His claim was, and well, by his own you know, admission... Sometimes, sometimes a claim is made under one thing, and uh, everybody knows what the real story is. You know, that's something else. Well, I can only go by what his uh, his lawyer uh, ha- has said and what, you know, what, what has been determined by well, the... Well, maybe they're trying not to embarrass the government. You know, that's a possibility, too. I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing to, to go into, but I mean, that can be researched. I suppose it could, but I mean, had it been brought up, and if if there is some credence to that, I'm sure it would have been brought up in in the uh, in the trial, uh, or not the trial. Well, I'm, but I, the, I'm uh, not sure about that, but uh, you know, it's it's just a possibility. That's all I'm saying. All right, I appreciate the call, Ubi. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. To me, it's pretty cut and dried. He's uh, he's a military. He's a he's a an, an enemy combatant, uh, and. He's, uh, his repatriation, I think, was generous enough that he'd be allowed to serve his sentence here. Um, he should be still in Guantanamo, as far as I'm concerned. All right, uh, Earl is in Oakville. Earl, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hi, Richard. I'm fine. You sure Paul isn't an alien? <laughs> he has. Uh, he's definitely an experiencer like a uh, few others that I have uh, dealt with. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, about this Omar Carter business, I think Elaine Morris is she, uh, Morrissey. Is her last name Morris or Morrissey? Are you are you talking about the uh, the Elaine, uh, the soldier's wife? Oh, um, well, oh, there's the, 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 her her name is Spear. Oh, Spear. I believe she should be given the ten point five million dollars. Tab of the Spear should be and an apology from the Canadian government. And I'm a card carrying liberal member. And I'm urging Justin to pay her something. That's what I'm doing. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Omar Carter has, uh, you know, he um, he presents well, and uh, he's, uh, you know, he seems to think that he's uh, rehabilitated and and uh, wants to, you know, get on with his life and so forth. If he is truly repentant and rehabilitated, yeah, yeah. then. I think if he has a conscience, his conscience would would move him to to giving most, if not all, of that money uh, to the widow yeah. and uh, the children that no longer have a father because of him. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Richard. If he did that, I would be I would be inclined to believe that he is re- rehabilitated. Yeah, I would agree with you. Let's see what he does. Yeah. Okay. Take care, pal. I appreciate the call, Earl. Thank you. Four one six. Three six zero zero seven forty four one six three six zero zero seven forty, and toll free from out of town and just about anywhere eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Open lines to the bottom of the hour. Last chance to get it said. Coming up after the bottom of the hour, my colleague at Coast to Coast AM and the host of Darkness Radio, Dave Schrader, to talk all things paranormal. Stay with us. My name is Richard Serrett, and you're listening to the Conspiracy Show. Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back indeed. And I neglected to mention off the top that we also invite questions 
via the YouTube live chat. So all of you who um, faithfully gather in the YouTube live chat every Sunday, and we do appreciate it, uh, your uh, your patronage and your uh, support and interest in the program. If you have a question, uh, just um, fire it away in the YouTube uh, chat room, and uh, we'll get Ryan to read it, and we'll uh, do our best to answer it. Now, uh, we're waiting for some calls to come in. I just wanted to mention, this is a very cool story. I don't know if you heard about this, but Salvador Dali, uh, you know, an, an amazing uh, painter. Uh, I kind of like his work, you know, the um, the surrealism school, I suppose. And uh, he died back in 1989. And, of course, he had that trademark um, mustache. Well, he's been he's just been exhumed. I don't know if you guys heard about this. He was exhumed. He died in 1989, so that's almost 30 years ago, 28 years ago. He's been exhumed recently to settle a paternity case, so they had to get DNA from him. And, and here's the thing. When they exhumed him, his mustache was still perfectly intact. I think that was the only thing left of him, that mustache, Salvador Dali. Hey, what are you guys doing on uh, August the 21st? Have you heard about this? It's um, We're going to see this amazing total eclipse. Uh, it's the third Monday in August, and uh, the uh, the Earth and the Moon are going to cause our natural satellite to pass directly in front of the Sun. It's going to be a total eclipse, and um, there's going to be a this narrow band. It's about well narrow, 70 miles wide, and it'll stretch about 2,500 miles from the Pacific coast of Oregon to the Atlantic coast of South Carolina. And it'll provide a spectacle that has not been seen from any part of the uh, contiguous United States in nearly 40 years. I'm almost thinking about jumping in the car and seeing if I can if I can follow this this eclipse. You know what I'm saying? I think that's going to. I mean, that's that's not something you're going to see in uh, maybe once in a lifetime, maybe ever. So again, that's August the 21st. We'll have a total eclipse of the moon, and um, there's going to be a narrow band across the, almost the entire United States. 70 miles wide, 2,500 miles from the Pacific coast of Oregon to the Atlantic coast of Southern California, or Southern Carolina, sorry, South Carolina. Uh, why don't we um, uh, go back into the mailbag? And uh, we had some more comments from the uh, Targeted Individual show last week, Albert. Um, yeah, there's one from Chris, and he says, I- I'm a TI and had technology put in my body when I was a child. Read that one you started to read, because I don't remember you reading that one. Maybe you did, but just read it anyway. Okay. He says, I'm part of a mass surveillance operation called Spies Are Us. There are at least 75,000 others in the country that are a part of this program. A true story of narcotics trafficking, secret technology, and mind control. Ah. Cannot find help anywhere. All right. Now I do remember you reading that one. But that, again, 75,000 uh, 75, people. All right. Uh, Ryan, anything from our uh, YouTube uh, chat room? Any questions? Yeah, a couple interesting questions. Uh, Raz2 wants to know if you're going to do a show ever sometime about the Dyatlov Pass incident. The Dyatlov Pass incident. This is when uh, in in the 50s uh, a few Soviet hikers uh, got lost in the Ural Mountains and they were found, uh, they'd ripped out their tent. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, I, I did talk about that one briefly. Maybe it was with Rosemary Ellen Guiley several years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, the speculation is wild on that one. Was it uh, the abominable snowman? Was it aliens? Uh, yeah, we should do something on that. And uh, why I wants to know, 
if you have a view on Planet X, speaking of the solar eclipse and all these astronomical things. My God, we've been hearing about Planet X coming this way for so many years. I remember, I think it was my first year uh, doing this particular program at another radio station. It wasn't called The Conspiracy Show then. It was, I think it was called The Nightside, another radio station here in the city. And um, we were talking about Planet X coming then, and it was imminent. And uh, there had all these amateur astronomers. There was a body count because they were, you know, being killed off. Because every time an, an amateur astronomer, uh, you know, found out that that uh, you know they saw Planet X and it was approaching, uh, that um, you know they, they were uh, they were silenced and so forth. So you know what? I don't uh, I don't put a lot of credence in uh, in Planet X. Um, this is supposed to have this enormous elliptical uh, orbit, and it comes around. What is it? Every 30,000 years or something? I can't remember the exact number. Uh, no, I mean, I am concerned about this asteroid, Apophis, coming in 2029. Even though it's 30 to 40,000 kilometers, which sounds like a lot, uh, again, that could uh, that could cause havoc with satellite communications and, and so forth. So we have much more to worry about uh, Apophis and EMP, a major EMP event. Whether it's uh, North Korea uh, setting off a small nuclear device, I mean, they could—they've uh, tested this um, in the uh, in the low atmosphere and uh, knock out the grids. In fact, uh, one of the publications was it the Financial Post uh, or the Economist. My good buddy um, uh, Lou sent me this article. Uh, just a, just appeared in the paper the other day about the the likelihood of an EMP. There's about 2,500. Um, Major hydro um, trans- transformer stations in the United States, and uh, you only have to knock out a few of those. You could cause massive disruptions in the electrical system. And think about how dependent we are on electricity. Uh, most people forget: without electricity, you don't have clean water. You don't just turn on your water, and it's and it's you know in your tap coming out of your taps. The, uh, the sanitation system is run by electricity. So without electricity, no more fresh water. Most people also forget that grocery stores in major urban areas, uh, they're on a sort of a just-in-time delivery system. After three days, the cupboards are bare, folks. The cupboards are bare. And without electricity, the trucks that deliver them aren't going anywhere because you need electricity to pump diesel and gasoline. So we were, we remember the blackout of uh, what what year was that 2003 and uh, we were without lights for what was it maybe 48 hours and people were saying oh aren't we you know we're coming together as a community and we're so civil and so forth that's fine for 48 hours but you stretch that out 72 hours a week things get ugly real fast that's when the looting begins and uh, all of that nicety goes out the window when your children are hungry and uh, there's no food to be found, right? Even if you wanted to pay for it, you couldn't because without electricity, your credit cards and your debit cards are no good. And if you don't carry cash on hand, you're not going to be able to withdraw money. So I'm far more worried about an EMP event. Uh, than I am about Planet X. That was a long answer, but a great question, YY. Thank you for that. Any others? Yeah, uh, Spike. He says, in your opinion, what is the underlying theme that's happening about the Trump administration? Is he... 
being sabotaged, or is he just out to lunch? Uh, no, he's he's being sabotaged. He is he's not presidential. He is well, he calls himself modern presidential. He's not like anything we've seen before. He is a force of nature. He is the great disruptor. Uh, and for a lot of people, the disruption that he is bringing is not favorable. Uh, I think it's necessary. I, th- I, I refer to Donald Trump as the, uh, the third law, Newton's third law. For every action, there will be an equal and opposite reaction. Donald Trump is the equal and opposite reaction to a lot of the political correctness uh, and uh, the progressive experimentation that has taken place uh, for the last 30, 40 years. And... Um, I mean, I wish him all the luck trying to drain a swamp, but uh, I don't know. To me, it's it may be the art of the impossible, the graft and the corruption and the cronyism that has been going on in places like Washington, D.C. for the last 40, 50, 60, 70 years, maybe since it's the nation's inception. Uh, to me, it's a little bit like trying to shovel sand against the tide. I wish him all the luck in the world. I don't know if he'll be successful. But what is going on? Yes, there is an orchestrated effort to overturn a legitimate election uh, by people who uh, who's um, who who want the status quo to continue as it has been continuing and this includes media elites and corporate elites Wall Street uh, by and large uh, especially the media elites uh, and those on the progressive left uh, who want who have had everything going their way for such a long time and uh, he, he Donald Trump represents an existential threat to their way of life so um, I do I do see it as an orchestrated effort to bring him down and uh, overturn a legitimate election. But if the Democrats think that they're going to go to the midterm elections uh, and only talk about Donald Trump and Russia collusion without addressing uh, health care and tax cuts and the immigration issue and so forth, they are in for a rude awakening. They could lose another four, five, six seats in the Senate. That'll give. That'll be pretty close to the sixty necessary for Trump to to uh, to ram through a lot of his agenda. And uh, it's going to be very interesting. Now the question is: Is he going to survive the term, the uh, the first term, because of the special prosecutor? Uh, that um, seems intent on bringing him down. And what I see, uh, people old enough to remember Watergate will remember prior to Nixon leaving office, he fired the special prosecutor, Archibald, Archibald Cox. Uh, they called it the Saturday Night Massacre. And it did not end well for Nixon. So we, are we going to see a repeat of that with Donald Trump? It's going to be interesting, folks. It's going to be a bumpy ride. All right. Who do we have here on uh, the line? It is uh, Dana from Scarborough. Dana, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good morning. Good morning, Richard. I wanted to talk about Omar Khadr, but I also wanted to agree with the points that you're making regarding Donald Trump um, just now and the fact that he's not only disrupting the status quo and putting fear in the hearts of the Democrats, but also his own party. A lot of the Republicans, which he helped elect, that rode in on his coattails, basically, are against him, which I find troublesome. But um, regarding Omar, Omar Khadr, so I was going through the uh, Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and under the legal rights, under proceedings in criminal and penal matters, it says any person, I'll say this very quickly, 
Any person charged with an offence has the right to be informed without unreasonable delay of the specific offence, not to be tried with, sorry, to be tried within a reasonable time, etc., etc., except in the case of an offence under military law tried before a military tribunal to the benefit of trial by jury where the maximum punishment of the offence is imprisonment for five years or more, uh, or a more severe punishment. Hmm. So, I mean... And also, okay, besides the fact that he, um, the, the charter um, exempts him also because of the fact that he was tried by an American, um, an American tribunal. And why didn't the Canadian government try to intervene during the trial? Like, wouldn't it have been far cheaper than giving him the $10 million? Well, this is interesting that, that you know, that the, the Liberals now are trying to, to lay this on the Conservatives because Harper right. didn't want to, didn't want to, um, to, to uh, repatriate Cotter. Uh, finally, he did, uh, reluctantly. Uh, and the Liberals are trying to say, ah, that's the reason. Uh, to me, uh, that should have been his settlement, the repatriation, and it should have ended there. Right. Now, now I know that Cotter he copped a plea, so I don't know was he actually tried with a military tribunal. I don't believe so. Okay, I wasn't sure about the details of that. I just when I was going through the charter, I thought that was the most relevant item in it regarding this case. Yeah. But I think it's outrageous, and and he's and um, Trudeau just seems to be doing a lot of um, underhanded um, dealings himself, and I find that very troublesome. A lot of my colleagues at work and people that I speak to are terrified about the United States, but I think we should be more concerned about what's going on in this country. Well, we, we wouldn't have known about it had it not been leaked. And, oh, really? Uh, I didn't know Well, that. it was sort of done in the dead of night, very hush-hush, and they tried to run away from it. I mean, the next day, Trudeau was off to uh, Ireland uh, en route to the, uh, the G20. Um, yeah, it's... Um, Listen, it's it's quite possible that the conservatives may have been forced to do the same thing. Uh, maybe their uh, legal advice would have been, if we don't settle now, it's going to cost us more. I don't know. Uh, I think some creative legal mind could have find, could have found a way um, around this. However, it's uh, it's certainly left a very bad taste in my mouth, and I know a lot of others, especially the veterans out there. Definitely. All right. Thank you for the call, Dana. Take care. When we come back, Dave Schrader from Darkness Radio. Stay with us coast uh, on uh, The Conspiracy Show. If you're sure your phone isn't tapped, call now. 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. All right, I have been looking forward to this conversation for some time. Dave Schrader is the executive producer and host of Darkness Radio. And like yours truly, he's a frequent guest host on Coast to Coast AM. He's also the co-author of The Other Side, published in 2009, and has contributed to TAPS Para Magazine, which is the official magazine of Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters show. Dave Schrader, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm doing great, Richard. Thank you for having me. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Um, I wanted to ask you, in all of your years of uh, investigating haunted locations and so forth, let's talk about houses, for example, because most people, I think, operate under the misconception that it's the, you know, it's that spooky old house we all have in our neighborhood. Those are the ones that are going to be haunted. But you know, new houses can be haunted. What what is is there a common denominator uh, with a haunted location in your in your in your experience? 
you know, the common denominator, I think, is just the people um, that are in it. I, I, I'm starting to think that a lot more of hauntings have less to do with a location and more to do with the people in the location. Hmm, interesting. You know, I, I've noticed, I just got back from the Belvoir Winery, the Oddfellows home in uh, Liberty, uh, Missouri. Right. We just did a weekend-long investigation there. And I've noticed there are a few of my friends who are very proficient at getting electronic voice phenomena wherever we go. And I'm starting to realize that when they play back these EVP, that it's the same voices I heard them collect at the Palmer House Hotel in Sauk Center, Minnesota. Oh, isn't that interesting? In Waverly Hills in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm starting to wonder, one of a couple of thoughts on this with, with um, electronic voice phenomena. I'm fascinated by it. You know, I'm an MTV generation guy. That's my favorite go-to ghost tool, right? Because I like to have that immediate response. I right. want to hear it. I want to hear it now. Exactly. And I've often wondered, okay, Richard, if you if you have guides with you or relatives that have crossed over that are, are still hanging around with you and kind of watching, maybe they're the one that are passing the messages on. And they're... The EVP you're hearing is them conveying what the messages are of the other spirits that are there. And that may be why a lot of places we go, we get the same voices recorded on, on these deals. You know, John Edwards, uh, James Von Prague, mm-hmm. and some of the, the bigger uh, mediums and psychics out there all claim to have somebody that aids them in what they do. Right, right. John Edwards, I think it's his mother who comes through and she shows like a red rose, what this meant to her. So it's mostly it's her signs. So I often wonder if maybe that is a little bit more of what we're dealing with, is that we're individually haunted. And I don't mean in a negative way, but I, I wonder if, if it's more just that we're carrying that spiritual information, knowledge, and resonance with us of, of the people that we've come into touch with. That's fascinating. I've never heard um, this before uh, when it comes to EVP, electronic voice phenomena, where the investigators are finding the same voices. Was that like a major aha moment for you recently, or have you known about this before? Well, I've, I've been watching this. Mark and Debbie Constantino, who passed away a few years ago, the EVP specialist, they were very good. I've, I've never seen people get electronic voice phenomena like these two would. Everywhere we went, they would get this, and it was a plus. You know, I mean, they got garbage EVP, too, you know, the F and the Bs and, and Cs where you couldn't hear it very clearly, but you could definitely hear there was something there. But they were really good, and I, I think it's because they worked at it, and they opened up at the same time every day, and they made this kind of communication. But I noticed that no matter where we went, they would get um, this very similar voice that would come through constantly with these with these kind of responses. But I also noticed that the, the voice and the attitude was very comparative to their attitude. They were very New York. And they would get the, hey, forget about it, get out of here, you, you know, I mean, they had kind of that, <laughs> that kind of EV right. that would come through. And then I've got a great friend of mine, Susan, who's very gentle and she's a very sweet soul. And when she does electronic voice phenomena, she, she'll almost talk to ghosts like a puppy, you know, it's like, oh, can you help me? Oh, you're doing a great job. Thank you so much. And she's just so sweet. And her EVP come through very sweet and upbeat, but it's a very similar voice pattern that seems to follow her in her recordings. Oh wow! You, I think you are onto something here. Uh, 
I have not heard this before. Dave Schrader is with us, host of Darkness Radio. We'll tell you how you can listen to that and also his uh, podcast. And we'll come back and, and talk about more hauntings and investigations. Stay with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. And Dave Schrader is with us. What a delight. My uh, colleague from Coast to Coast AM and also the host of uh, Darkness Radio. And then there was the podcast, Beyond the Darkness. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, in just a few moments. But I wanted to get back to... Uh, this, for me, this is a revelation. You're talking about EVPs and how you've noticed that the, uh, the EVP, the electronic voice phenomenon captured in a haunted location, tends to take on some of the characteristics of the investigator. So the question is then, is it possible, uh, that what the recording device is capturing is some sort of telepathic message from the investigator's subconscious mind? I think that there's something more to that. Uh, you know, Bill Chappell, who is um, an engineer, and a legitimate engineer, he's worked with robotics firms, everything, and the guy is a genius. He is is responsible for a lot of the different equipment you see on the TV shows that's, that, it, that they use to try to connect with the other side. And he'll tell you he doesn't even believe in ghosts, but he also has profound experiences that he can't explain away. He says that, you know, he thinks... When he tried, he originally began, his, his company is called DigitalDowsing.com, DigitalDowsing.com, and he built a digital dowsing rod so that it would remove the human element. And he noticed that when you remove the human element, then the activity seems to go away. So he believes that we're much more of a conduit to what we might be experiencing, and it's part of the human experience, which I've started to think when I deal with a lot of mediums and psychics, are we really speaking to the dead, or are they just very proficient as reading the energetic card catalog that we carry with us, right? Mm, right All of right. our experiences, whether we remember them or not, are there logged in the energetic field that is part of our life? And maybe they're just really in tune and adept at reading that and assuming that it's coming from the other side when they're getting messages from grandpas and grandmas. And then you hear stories of, well, but how could I have a memory of something I was never there for? Which is a great point. But if we do carry genetic memory, and there's proof of that. I mean, animals come out and know exactly what to do yes. because they're carrying a genetic memory. Sure. There's a good chance we might be carrying genetic memories from our great-great-grandparents and so on so that they can actually tap into that memory that's part of our DNA code. 100%. be able to tell us that, yeah. We are our ancestors. Right. And, and uh, you're right. One day, a lot of these uh, supernatural, paranormal phenomena may have a fairly prosaic explanation, and then you and I will be out of work. <laughs> <laughs> no, because there's, that's the beauty of this. Every time you start to think, you get it, and, and maybe I'm onto something, and you start following that rabbit hole, Richard. I think you found it right, and especially in conspiracy, yes. you start peeling back the layers, and maybe you get an answer. But that opens up a whole nother box of questions of, well, where does this aspect of the story take us? And I think that's what's so fascinating, why people are so intrigued with the kind of topics we cover, is it's really never-ending. There's no one person that has a definitive response. And if mediums and psychics are actually tuned in, and they all are able to do the same thing, why do they all have such differing views of how they get it and where it comes from? Right, right. 
but I think it's their reality that creates these connections. And it's, you know, whether they're using tools like tarot cards or, you know, chicken bones or dice or cards, um, you know, tea leaves, I think what they're doing is they're just using it and they're using the tool as a, an extension of their consciousness. And I think we don't give ourselves enough credit as humans of just how powerful we really are. And what we may or may not be able to do, I think, is defined by what we believe in ourselves. You know, we just talked to a guy on our show about a week ago. He's uh, Sam the Miracle Man. This guy was dealing with five diseases, if you will, maladies that basically are incurable. You can deal with the symptoms, but you can't cure them. And once he started to break down the factor of how the mind works and dealing with some of these things, he is actually now completely symptom-free and disease-free, and he has been, I think, for like five years, which defies medical science and logic. But he said once you get past that head garbage and, and the chatter and you start calming that and learning to focus and do these other things, it can be life-changing. So I think there's so much potential in who we are and what we can be, and I think the narrative of our past and our future lie within us. And I've been discussing this for a while. You know, I think there is a a huge form of time travel that we live with every day. You've you've made a mistake in your life that you regret, right? Oh, yes. A few. Regrets? I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. Too few to mention. And how many times have you laid there at night just kind of replaying that, thinking, why did I do that? That was so stupid. I should have jagged, you know, jagged instead of jigged. And then you think back to that moment, that voice that was screaming in your head telling you, you really shouldn't do this, Richard, don't do this. And I think, you know, if our consciousness exists and it exists beyond who we are physically, maybe it's those years of regret that we're hearing in the here and now when that voice comes here to tell us, don't do this. We call it intuition. Maybe it's just we're still on that same telephone line we're projecting back to ourselves in time. We may be altering time constantly. That's a, that's a fascinating. I mean, I uh, just trying to wrap my head around that. <laughs> my <laughs> word. Well, there were there, there, there were experiments at Stanford, uh, the Stanford Research Institute, where uh, through the power of intention, intention, people were able to. Uh, seems to, I'm trying to remember the experiment, the actual uh, mechanics of it, but they had. Uh, sort of lock these numbers in a device, and then through the power of intention, somehow they were able to change the numbers. Or Do you recall that at all? Right, yeah, and I, I'm trying to remember what that was, too. I, it's if You talk so many topics like we do, it's hard to remember the specifics of each you know, type of case and, and everything. We've done you know, intention experiments. I know George Norrie and Art Bell have done them on Coast to Coast yes. AM. Yes, And we actually, a few years back when Colorado was getting all of that uh, wildfires and things were out of control, we had listeners from all around begging us to do an intention experiment because we do prayer and healing requests and intention experiments all the time. Sure. They're like, bring rain. We need rain. We need to, and we put it, put it out to our listeners. And then within weeks, they started getting that torrential rain. The ones that actually came through and like washed out roads. So I think you have to be careful and know how to do it and, and what is the proper use of intention. You know, Jeff Belanger says, instead of just thinking of this or that, instead of thinking of pouring rain, which you can't control, think of what it would look like if the rains had come. The fires are out. 
think of lush grass growing back, think of these things, and then maybe it's a little bit more controlled of an experiment. Right. We did the uh, experiment, I think it was two years ago, when California was having such an issue with their drought, and we put it out there, and we said, all right, everybody, let's do this on Wednesday at 11, just put this out. Within weeks, they started getting record rainfall. They're like, this is this is just not, this doesn't happen in California. Well, if you can, no. if the power of intention can affect future events, then I guess the question comes back to, could the power of intention change the past? Sure. I, I think that has a lot to do with this Mandela effect that people are so intrigued by. Yes, yes. Uh, people have been bugging that. me to do a show on that, and I'm going to do it. Uh, it, it. For those not familiar with the Mandela effect, just explain that briefly. Well, we started before. Fiona Broom um, is the one that kind of coined the phrase Mandela effect. It was believing that, that um, Mandela had passed away, Nelson Mandela, but he hadn't. And many people are already having this memory. I remember him dying and, and, and so on. We had been talking about this for a few years already on our show. We did an entire episode I called who brought Kirk Douglas back from the dead? <laughs> because I remembered specifically when he had his stroke. Right. And then I remembered specifically when he died not long afterwards. And I remembered Michael Douglas in this blue blazer and mirrored sunglasses talking to the media about the legacy of his father's career and wiping away tears. And I remembered the specifics of this. And many people remembered it as well. Right, right. And, and to the to, like, insane detail, yet we know that Kirk Douglas is now, I think, 100 years old. He wrote a book called The Stroke of Luck, talking about his stroke and how he survived it. Yes, very much so with us, yes. Of us, yeah, so many of us remember that. And there are these false memories, these things that, you know, Kit Kat. Everybody remembers Kit Kat with the dash between Kit Kat. Well, if you look it up, there was no dash. There's never been a dash between Kit Kat. Right. Then there's the popular uh, television, uh, the, the children's cartoon, the Berenstein Bears. People misremember right. the name of that. And, and they swear up and down it was Berenstein. one name and not, yeah. Or Berenstain. And there's all of these different weird kind of oddities, these hiccups in time. And I often wonder if we are, are we really kind of um, upsetting the balance of nature? Are we maybe changing the past without realizing it? It's having the butterfly effect that the simple stepping on a butterfly back in, you know, six million years ago will affect how we spell the word, you know, Richard now. Right. Uh, you know, will, will it have that kind of effect? But I've also started to notice a really intriguing aspect with the Mandela effect. Oh, what's a that? A lot of the people that I talk to that have similar false memories, if you'll call them that, I've also found out that they've had near-death experiences. And maybe not in the classic sense where they're, be in an accident and they go to the tunnel of light. But a lot of people have that moment in their life where they probably should not have survived an incident, right? You were in a car accident and you walked out unscathed and you thought, how did that happen? I often wonder if consciousness works like this. We're promised, according to the Bible, a long life, maybe a thousand years, whatever it was. We're supposed to get a full, long life. Maybe we do, but it's not all in one line. Maybe if you picture that all these alternate realities, every time our consciousness ends. So in this world, uh, Dave Schrader drowned when he was seven years old, when he was at the beach with his, his aunt and uncle, and he slid underneath the waves and pulled them out, which happened to me. Uh-huh. But my aunt, at the last second, plunged her hand in, caught me, and dragged me back up. But in that reality, I was lost, and my consciousness just took a step to the left and joined the consciousness in the next parallel universe. 
So you still have kind of these reflections and memories of what you used to know. And a lot of the people I've talked to have had similar similarities like this. And I've, um, I've, I've noticed I've had a, a number of times in my life when I've thought, Richard, there's no way I should still be alive. No way. And I've had many, multiple, many incidents with this. And then I start noticing other weird things. I'm like, why is this different now? This is not the way this Beatles song sounded. I, I know this. I love this song. There's something different. Interesting. And well, there is, that is one one of the theories of the, the multiverse theory, is that every time you make a decision, you create another universe. So there may be some credence to what you're saying. Fascinating. Dave Schrader is with us, host of Darkness Radio. And then there's the podcast, Dave, Beyond the Darkness. Tell us about that. How do we get that? Well, we, you know, with Darkness Radio, we began back at January 1st of 2006, and we ran that all the way up until December of 2016, and we jumped from terrestrial radio to uh, Podcast One, where we're now known as uh, Darkness Radio Presents Beyond the Darkness, and we've taken the show uh, from terrestrial radio to the podcast format. We're Monday through Friday. People can find us at podcastone.com. And just look up Beyond the Darkness. There's also free apps for iTunes and uh, Google Play. You can find the Podcast One app that way. And uh, you can listen to our show five days a week as we explore all the strange and unusual world around us. We also have a True Crime Tuesday show that uh, you can find. And all the information's at our website at darknessradio.com. So it makes it a lot easier and comprehensive to just grab it and, and use it from there. Yeah, I, I, what I admire about you, Dave, is you, you're, you're a really profound thinker in these areas, uh, offering up alternative explanations and so forth. You don't get that uh, from a lot of sort of paranormal commentators, and uh, you're really to be commended for that. And I've enjoyed this conversation. We'll have to do it more often. Thank you so much for this, Dave. Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure. I look forward to talking to you again. Dave Schrader. All right, my thanks to uh, Ian Robertson, my fine rockabilly friend, Albert Vinzel the intrepid remote viewer and my feature producer Ryan White back next week with the two-hour Roswell special Dan or Don Schmidt rather Don Schmidt and Victor Vigiani for the full two hours in the meantime don't be afraid there's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known what you hear in the dark speak in the light what I say in a whisper proclaim from the housetops move over Aphrodite I'm coming home You're listening to Zoomer Radio.